Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Spiritual Unity Radio Network, a station dedicated to the concept that all manifestations of the divine are equally valid. Join Reverend Terry Power HP, Robin McKean, and all the hosts for programming covering a wide range of spiritual topics right here on Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Pride of Olympus. I am Hercules Invictus, and I am greatly honored to announce our first segment, Nick Curdo Presents the Urantia Book, with, of course, Nick Curdo hosting. His guest tonight is Urantia book reader Stephen Zent. Greetings and welcome, Nick. How are you? Well, thank you very much, Hercules. It's uh, great to be with you, and I'm certainly Same looking here. forward to this particular interview. Okay, you can get right to it. Your guest is here. Okay, thank you. Uh, a brief, uh, First of all, a brief background about me, just to fill you in. Uh, I now live in Manhattan and have been here for a good part of my life, but I was born and raised in uh, New England, Springfield, Massachusetts, to be precise. I went to the Massachusetts College of Art and Design in Boston, and was president of the Newman Club and the Drama Club. And after graduation with my Bachelor of Fine Arts degree, um, I came directly on a Greyhound bus to New York City uh, to start my advertising design career and also to continue to explore my ongoing deep spiritual search as well as other big questions about life that we all want to uh, have answered. Uh, I first heard of the Arantia book while attending the All Souls Unitarian Church on the uh, Manhattan's Upper East Side and quickly found a wonderful study group in the Soho area hosted by Robin and Helene Jorgensen. Now, that was in 1989, and uh, now I have been studying the Arantia book for about 31 years, and uh, it really doesn't seem possible that it's been that long, but time flies. Uh, it's been an expansive, breathtaking experience to explore this awesome, truly wonderful, and loving book. Uh, the word Urantia, and that's spelled U-R-A-N-T-I-A, means our planet Earth. Uh, I'm a longtime member of the Urantia Society of Greater New York, made up of Urantia book readers from New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut, 
and I've been the past president and outreach chair and now serve on the outreach committee. Uh, I now host a Urantia book study group here in Manhattan in the West Village, and that's sponsored by the Urantia Society of Greater New York, and that meets the first and third Sundays of each month throughout the year from 1 to 2 o'clock at the center on West 13th Street. The study group is free of charge, of course, and certainly open to all. Uh, We read uh, from the book and then stop to uh, discuss what we have been reading and ask questions. And um, I would venture to say that all who are attending, uh, whether they are brand new readers, as some of them are, as well as long-time readers of the book, find it a very rewarding experience on many, many levels. Again, everyone is welcome to join us. Uh, Please let me know if you'd like to attend, and I will be happy to provide you with the very much details. Now, my email address, I'm going to give you that, is nick, N-I-C-K-N-Y-N-Y, the number one, in other words, the figure one, at gmail.com. I'll repeat that, nick, N-Y-N-Y-1, at gmail.com. Uh, the Urantia book has now been translated into 22 languages with more on the way, and it's sold in bookstores worldwide. And you also can either read it or listen to it on the Internet, which is quite amazing. And there are two websites I'd like to give you right now. Uh, the first one is urantiabook.org. So that's U-R-A-N-T-I-A-B-O-O-K dot O-R-G. Uh, The other website is Urantia, which is U-R-A-N-T-I-A dot N-Y-C. Both of them are exquisitely designed and highly functional websites, and I highly recommend that you explore them when you can. Okay, my uh, featured guest for this podcast tonight is my very good friend and colleague, Mr. Stephen Zent from Walnut Creek, California. Stephen, hello. Hello. Welcome. I'm so happy that you could join us tonight. And uh, I want to just say a very brief thing, that you're certainly a longtime reader of the Arantia book, and you have held many positions serving in many different capacities for the fellowship. Um, Stephen, and some of them were that? actually upside down. Oh, <laughs> okay. Uh, can you just briefly tell us uh, of some of the capacities you've served? Well, uh, I I had the good fortune to be selected by Urantia Foundation to participate in the first digital tape recording of the entire Urantia book. And after that project, I was able to be elected to the Fellowship's General Council, and I served on the General Council for about nine years, up until 2002. Uh, I also was the president of my local society here in Northern California, and um, generally I've just been involved in a study group of one sort or another for about the last 45 years. Wow. So you've been reading then for approximately 45 years then? Yes, Uh, pretty steadily. You know, it it hasn't really been uh, a situation where I took a pause. It just kept right on going. Right, 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 right. 
Well, um, just to uh, briefly start off with, I'd like to ask you a few questions of your background, just so the readers can have a little bit more knowledge. So if I may, uh, first of all, where were you born and raised? I was born in Fayetteville, Arkansas, next to the campus of the University of Arkansas, where my father was the minister of the local Christian church. Uh, And then because he was a church minister, all the time I was growing up, we moved from Arkansas to Ann Arbor, Michigan, and then to St. Louis, Missouri, and then to Kansas City, Missouri, and then to El Paso, Texas, and then to Albuquerque, New Mexico. So we moved around a lot. Was that because he was assigned uh, to these various places? Yes, partly. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, that's a lot of moving. That's indeed, especially when you're growing up. Now, did you have brothers and sisters, or were you the only child? I was the only male. Uh, I have a younger sister, uh, and uh, that's it. It was just my mother and father and my sister and me. Right. That That's uh, my, uh, my my case, too, although I... At one point, I did find that I had a an older brother, which was quite a surprise. Now, what were your mom and dad like spiritually? Were they? Uh, you already said that, but was it a very, uh, very close spiritual connection? Did you go to church quite a bit, or just some some idea? Well, we all, as a family, were in church every Sunday because my father was the minister of the church. And uh, my mother and my father both were preacher's kids. So there was a strong commitment to God and uh, the Bible and the truth, but it wasn't the hidebound fundamentalist kind of loyalty. Uh, It was more a thoughtful and intellectual approach. Uh, my father took his divinity training at Yale University. Uh, excellent. I think that's an amazing background that you, you had. You were very blessed to have that. And again, what denomination was that? It was what they called the Disciples of Christ, uh, the Christian Church, uh, the headquarters in uh, Indianapolis, Indiana. Okay. And just uh, quickly, your your studies, um, where where did you study the schooling? Uh, I learned to bounce around growing up, and so uh, my university career was also bouncing around. I took my freshman year at the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor, and then I moved back to uh, what was home at that point in Albuquerque and went to the University of New Mexico for several years and had an opportunity to relocate to San Francisco, California and go to San Francisco State University, which had a big and very, very excellent theater department, which was my uh, great interest at the time. And just fell in love with San Francisco and lived there for about 38 years. Fantastic. That That's wonderful you did that. And uh, even though I don't know this, I, I certainly suspected that you have a theatrical background. I have heard your wonderful readings of the Arantia book, and uh, it was it was a really professionally uh, beautiful job that you did. So, And that was a lot of reading there, so I can understand how that came to play. 
Well, thank you. I appreciate your comments. Well, it's deserved. It really is. And as I said to somebody, and I think you'll you'll find this humorous, I said, Stephen Zen is the voice of God when you listen to some of those readings. No, 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 no. Well, you have that no. kind of commanding, deep voice, and it really, it, 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 no, it really did. I did say that to someone, and uh, I thought you'd be amused to hear that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> now, okay. let's go right to it. Uh, where did you, how did you first come across the Arantia book, or how did the Arantia book find you? Well, I was a seeker for sure, and I was delving into Eastern religion as well as metaphysics, and I got into a deep discussion with someone that you know very well named Larry Geis. And Larry Geis suddenly said to me, I have something that you need to read. And he went out to his car and got a copy of the Arantia book and came into my apartment and dropped it in my lap, literally. Uh, That's Larry. I I could see that happening. And I took a look at the first page of the foreword, and Mm -hmm. I had a spiritual experience with that, and it convinced me that this was something I needed and it would answer a bunch of questions that I had, uh, and I became uh, immersed in the book uh, from that first introduction. Now, I want to go back a few sentences because you said that when you first literally uh, physically got the book, there was a spiritual something going on. Can you just give us a little bit more of that? You just got my interest there. Uh, it's no big deal. It's just something very personal. Uh, but I was reading the first page of the foreword to the Urantia book mm-hmm. and where it started saying your planet Urantia is one of many inhabited worlds. Uh, that immediately piqued my interest because I had already decided on my own that we were in an inhabited universe. We weren't the only planet with people on it. Yep. And this uh, confirmed my uh, impression. And then uh, the further I read, the more it spoke to me as something big, something confirming, and something religiously significant. I totally share that with those exact same impressions that you just stated exactly happened to me. They had me at the first couple of sentences. I went, oh my goodness. And and again, I was, I, I started reading that first beginning and it was just like, I found it. And it was so exciting. I found it. I knew it was somewhere. Yeah. I didn't know what the name of it was. I didn't know how I was going to find it. But I, I felt as though there was something in my future that was going to be very meaningful and significant. And when I started reading that very beginning, whammo, the same exact emotions happened to me, Stephen, exactly the same way. Yep, yep. It was a powerful experience for sure. And um, 
so you started reading. Now, did you start reading this alone by yourself, or did, were you with others at some point uh, at the very no, beginning? No, I think I, I was very fortunate in that uh, Larry Geis not only introduced me to the book, but he also almost immediately introduced me to a study group in San Francisco. And uh, that was a very confirmative experience. I, I just loved being in the presence of so many people who were all so dedicated to studying this incredible book. Are you still in touch with any of those people from your first study group experience? Only Larry Geis. Okay. Well, I mean, Larry Geis uh, with the study group, I mean, it doesn't get better than that. You you were, again, you were blessed to have uh, such an experience and uh, so uh, informed uh, a person and people around you to go through that book. I'm glad you got uh, the book uh, and, and started reading it with other people. I think that's an amazing experience. And my experience with Robin and Helene and the people who attended their study group was uh, I wouldn't trade that for anything. So I, I totally get what you said. Now, when I started reading it, I went to the table of contents and I started combing through all the, the different chapters and what they were saying. And I isolated some of those and said, I have to read those first because those are piquing my interest. And I got to find out what the Arantia book is saying about those subjects. Now, did you do that also? Actually, what happened for me, and I'm not sure whether it was a prompting from the study group that Larry took me to or whether I got it from the table of contents. I, I honestly don't know anymore uh, how it began, but I dove into the religion papers in the middle of the book. <laughs> yep. Okay. Yeah, I, I think Paper 100 and so forth. That's a great way to start with your own. I, I also recommend that to, to friends uh, to say, take a look at what is resonating to you in the table of contents and, and read that part first and then see how you feel about that. And if, uh, if, if you feel very positive about that, then, then you can certainly start at the very page one. But I think it's a great way to get people involved in the book. And for people of the Christian faith, part four, which is the uh, the incredible uh, and and dynamic uh, and detailed uh, story of Jesus' life, and and it's it's so wonderful to read that. And some people will go right to the fourth part of the book uh, because of that reason, and that's okay. If if they want to do that, that's fine too. Um, well, I, I was certainly curious about Jesus and about the biography of Jesus, and especially since it was so much more than the four Gospels in the Bible. Uh, you, you, absolutely. It, uh, and also, also detailed, so much detail there that I felt as though I was there. Didn't you feel that? Oh, yes. Yes. There's there's a definite uh, sense that you've been included in uh, knowing uh, what needs to be known about Jesus of Nazareth. It was like being beside them. It was it was it wasn't like looking from afar. It was right there. And it was a tremendous experience. Uh, I felt so close to the people 
and the times that they were living in, which were very difficult times indeed, and uh, yes. how they got through it, how they survived that, how how they kept their faith, and all the things that went on to challenge them uh, day by day, week by week, and you yeah. really feel that. Uh, am I right? Yes, indeed. Uh, it's it's an absolutely stunning story from beginning to end. They never let things get boring. It's always an exciting read. Oh, absolutely. That is an understatement. I couldn't agree with you more. I think everybody who reads the Arrange book would say the same thing. And uh, how wonderful that is here for us now. It was, uh, as you know, published in 1955. And um, from that point, a lot of uh, new readers, brand new readers, discovered the book and started reading it. And, uh, and now some of those people are, are much older. And uh, recently, as you well know, we've had uh, a, a series of people who are getting up in years who have graduated, and graduated means, uh, according to the Arantia folk, it means that they passed on uh, to, to, to what the Arantia book calls the universal career. And we've had a great many people uh, who were leaders uh, of the movement that have recently graduated. And it seems like the last two years, it's been more than ever before uh, because of their age and because they started reading way back when. Yes. That's true. Uh, we've lost uh, a very significant portion of the of the intellectual and spiritual leadership. That's true. We really have. Yeah, we have. And, and it was a shock, I think, to all of us when someone much younger, I think he was in his 50s, uh, Emilio, who uh, passed on just a little over a week ago. And uh, he passed on, I believe, from a – he was in a major operation, and uh, and he did not come out of that operation. And the, that was a shockwave that went around because it's hard enough when someone is well up in their years and, and passes on, but when someone is that young, it, it's even more of a shock and more to deal with. Yeah, he had uh, a torn aorta, and when they went in to try to repair it, Evidently, the original surgery wasn't as uh, as complete as it needed to be, and they had to rush him back into the operating room, and he didn't survive that. Oh, boy. And uh, I think that anyone who's ever met uh, Emilio can say that he was a total gentleman, uh, a an avid reader of the Arantia book, and did so much in his life here to to further the study of the book and to outreach to others to take a look at this book. And we, we have just amazingly good uh, memories and uh, fond, fond thoughts for, for Emilio. Now, uh, the subject that I was suggesting we talk a little bit about was prompted, uh, actually, Stephen, from the fact that we have uh, had so many uh, people recently graduating from our movement uh, on onward. And so uh, the subject of passing on and what the Urantia book uh, has to say about that, and it, it says quite a bit. Um, uh, any any uh, particular areas or thoughts immediately about the subject of uh, 
what the Urantia book is stating as what happens when you start your universal career? Well, I think the the most important thing for me when I was first getting started with the Urantia book was being reassured that there is no such thing as hell or Hades. Yes, yes. I always had a difficult uh, time with that also. I I always did. Even from a kid, uh, I always had a very difficult time with that whole subject. It just didn't make sense to me. If If we are taught to believe in a loving creator, that that loving creator would also throw people in a pit of fire forever, it yep. made no sense to me at all. Nor, nor I. And, and, and the other part of the atonement doctrine that states that um, uh, the uh, God, Heavenly Father, sent his son to be crucified on a cross in a cruel, cruel death to, uh, to, to compensate for the sins of, uh, of the uh, population of our planet absolutely did not make sense even as a child when I was hearing this in uh, the Catholic catechism class and so forth. That absolutely yes. didn't make sense. And I didn't have anybody around me to, to bounce that idea off of that. Why is this not gelling? It's not gelling at all. Uh, and yeah. it really bothered me a great deal. I think uh, one of the common characteristics of an awful lot of people who become real dedicated students of the Urantia book is that they discover common themes. Uh, One of them is that there isn't any hell. And another is that God didn't require Jesus to die a terrible death. It's not that God forced that on him. It's that Jesus was willing to put up with the absolutely asinine behavior of the religious community in which he was living. Absolutely true. And I can't tell you, Stephen, what a relief it was when I was reading uh, the parts of the Rancher book that, that stated that those concepts and that, that teachings that we just discussed uh, w- were not true and, and shouldn't be thought of as fact because they weren't. Uh, I, it was such a, a, a wonderful feeling to see in that book what, what, what that was about and the fact that they were saying, don't believe this because it's not true. I, it yes. was such a relief. I can't, it was a big deal for me, and I'm sure, I'm sure for many, many people too. I have a it, couple of quotes. Uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, you go ahead. Um, just a couple of uh, a quote right now. I'll just put out there. Um, it's from the Rancher book. Quote is, <clears throat> excuse me. When the end of mortal life comes, hesitate not to forsake this body for a more fit and beautiful form and to awake in the realms of the supreme and immortal where there is no fear sorrow, hunger, thirst, or death. To know God is to cut the cords of death, unquote. Wow. Now that's marvelous. Who wrote that? <laughs> uh, it was, I don't have the passage number, so I, I'd have to look that up. Um, I don't that's really that. excellent. 
isn't it? It's just yes. you know what I did is Stephen about ten years ago, uh, there were um, uh, in New York City, uh, and especially in in my in uh, on, in my friends uh, and acquaintances, there was a horrible time when the AIDS epidemic swept through. Uh, yep. this, this area, along, of course, the worldwide, but in New York City. And there, there were so many of my friends that were g- getting sick that were in the hospital. And these are uh, young men for the most part. And and to see what was going on, and it was, it, it was so, so sad. And uh, the years passed, and uh, some of them passed on. And I decided to go to the Arantia book and pull out a lot of quotes about uh, uh, what the Arantia book has to say on, on dying and passing on so that I could uh, email of these quotes to people who weren't familiar with the Arantia book but might uh, take some relief in some of the quotes. So what I did was I assembled many of those quotes, and uh, I have that document. In fact, I will say that if anybody in the audience wants that, if they email me, I would be more than happy to email this document back to them. Uh, a lot of people have Good. told me that really helped them. And I'll give you one more Good. quote uh, quickly. And that is uh, a quote in the mind of God, a plan which embraces every creature of all his vast domains. And this plan is an eternal purpose of boundless opportunity, unlimited progress and endless life. And the infinite treasures of such a matchless career are yours for the striving, unquote. You know, you can't be a lazy layabout and really get engaged in the Urantia book. The Urantia book says, get up and get busy. (laughs) Yes, it does. Yes. And, uh, yeah, here's, here's, here's what you need to know. Uh, we're going to present it to you, and um, it's going to give you strength and hope and endless love. And it does. Uh, it absolutely does. Uh, I, I describe the book to friends as a source of in- infinite and limitless love and caring. That's what this is about. I think one of the biggest discoveries about being a dedicated student of the book is the power of love and healing that comes out of dedicated study of the book. There are not only answers to burning questions about religion and about life, but there are also the kind of worshipful stimulations that bring you into closer and closer relationship with God. Absolutely true. Uh, That is an understatement. Absolutely right. And I think that uh, everyone who who takes the book and and starts reading it is going to feel the same way very quickly. They've got your back here. They have your back. And they're saying, you know, we're going to do everything we can to educate you to help you, to love you, and to put you in a place that you're going to feel happy and secure and loved, and and we're going to be there always. That's what they're saying. Yep. And, and boy, that it doesn't get better than that, right? I mean, it doesn't get better than that. What else? You know? Wow. I that, think that, I that, think what you're talking about is the 
the amount of truthful confidence in the universe that it's a friendly place that it's created for our well-being that it's not a scary place it's not the the hoodoo mess that uh, so much science fiction has tried to bring to us that flying saucers have little green men on them and that they're mean and tricky and uh, they're big trouble and they're trying to take over the world and all these other ugly fantasies that have come to us about the universe. Uh, the Urantia book puts all that to rest and says, no, not at all. The universe is friendly. That pa- you're, you're right. And the passage in the book that talks about uh, another uh, planet, and it says it's closer than you might think. And it says, we're going to talk to you a little bit about the culture and the government of that planet. That absolutely, I mean, I can't tell you, I don't think I took a breath until I got to the, to the final few words of that chapter that uh, I read that every so often. And uh, I wasn't expecting that. Uh, I, I, I love, I love, uh, I, I am a ufologist. And I have a, a group here, a, uh, a very serious, uh, a group that it really uh, gets into the uh, the nitty gritty of ufology. Uh, it, we have a we have a, 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 a whole program. Programs are audio taped and put on YouTube, and, and we have a uh, a website, uh, uh, dnny.info, which means Disclosure Network New York, and we have together as a group stood there on a night in. Uh, in the August, a summer night in Central Park, and we did a meditation asking if there would be some way that we would, we would know that we would have contact. And we waited about an, uh, after the one-hour meditation. We, we, we listened to Dr. Stephen Greer's meditation, which is excellent. And then we stayed there for a little while, and one of the quieter members of the group screams, screams, oh, my God, turn around and look up, and we saw three white lights. They looked like bright stars, but they were moving, so they weren't stars. And slowly and with no sound, they came slowly, slowly across the sky, and when they got over uh, us, and I, I have no idea how high up they were, it, they stopped. They literally stopped for about 30 seconds. Uh, we, we were just stunned. And then they continued, again, without any sound, until they hit the horizon and went over, and we couldn't see them anymore. Uh, talk about uh, a night you'll never forget. Yep. Uh, so, I know uh, we've yeah. talked about this before in the past, but I had my own UFO experience. Uh, when I was first uh, moved to San Francisco, and it, it absolutely changed the way I thought about many, many things. And this was a number of years before I was introduced to the Urantia book. You know, I don't see, uh, once once you're in both realms, and you're a ufologist as well as a Urantia reader, and I think it's seamless. Well, it certainly has uh, been uh, a, a... 
a mark on my consciousness that has never been erased. I've uh, never forgotten what happened. I can absolutely understand that. And uh, I think that uh, there's going to be, uh, I really feel strongly that very soon there's going to be some major disclosure. There already has been some uh, with the government all of, a, all of a sudden in the last year saying, well, actually, we have been very much aggressively studying this uh, dynamic with UFOs and ETs, and they started releasing a video. I think you've probably seen it on some of the networks of uh, some of the pilots that are, are, are stating this couldn't possibly be from our planet. This is advanced technology that's making yeah. right turns and going so fast, more than we could possibly do at this moment. So that's a huge and, change, right? And There's another we're going to have to that... start wrapping up. We only have a couple of minutes. Uh, this, is a, this is a fascinating episode. Thanks to both of you. Uh, Stephen, you were not only asked back for more on the uh, Nicardo Presents the Arantia book, but also on my Disclosure Network uh, uh, podcast, because we need to continue this conversation. Will you, will you be uh, willing? Uh, it, it is uh, something that I certainly would enjoy trying to do. I can't guarantee you that I can, but I'll try. That's all I'm asking. That's all I'm asking. You know, I, I can't tell you how wonderful it is to talk to you and to, to, to see the Arantia book through your eyes. I can't thank you enough, Stephen, for being on this podcast. Uh, if anybody wants to contact you for any reason, uh, do you want me to just say they can contact me at my email and then I could pass it on? Well, they could go to the post office and see my wanted poster. It's up on the wall. Oh, really? Oh, I have to go see that. I bet it's, I bet it's stunning. I bet it is absolutely. <laughs> well, listen, uh, just a heartfelt thanks to you, Stephen. Uh, You're to welcome, you for, for sure. Your thoughts on this, on this subject. Uh, this is Nick Hurdle for your Rancher book. Uh, wishing you all an enlightened journey. Until uh, next time, uh, please explore the limitless love of the Rancher book. Stay safe and be kind to one another. Goodbye for now. Bye-bye. Much awesome. love to all. And we're going to listen to Land of the Ever Young by Dave the Bard, and then we'll be back for the Perceptor Project with Phoenix the Technogrid. And, uh, Nick, you're welcome to stay for that if you'd like. Well, thank you very much. Stephen, are you done? Yeah.
And welcome back to Pride of Olympus. Uh, our next segment is the Perceptor Project with Phoenix Technovruid, and Nick Curto is uh, with us as a guest. Greetings, Phoenix. How are you? Not too bad. How's my audio doing? Can you guys hear me? Uh, yes. yes. We're, we're having uh, audio issues on and off. <laughs> So uh, we'll okay. just uh, do the best that we can with uh, the connections Definitely. that we have. 
Okay, Definitely. so you had specified that today we're going to learn what people can do to get involved with uh, your various projects in Utah. Is that correct? Not just my various projects in Utah, but if they want to duplicate what we're doing, hey, you know, the more the merrier. The more the merrier. We're on a quest to save the world. Uh, we can use all the help we can get. Okay, awesome. So why don't you do, paint us a picture, and Nick and I will ask questions and uh, share our feedback, and we'll move forward. Okay, cool. Um, okay, so to get involved, most of the stuff that I've done that I've accomplished in the in the few years that we've been flying together, Herc, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, as you well know, and as you can tell everybody, it's been totally a grassroots movement. Um, one guest that I'm hoping to bring on will uh, would definitely be the, the dude down in California that's doing um, the ham radio crash course dude. That He would be a great guest. Um, and that would be, yeah. So, okay, so to start out, now... With with the uh, with the Internet of Things movement, uh, this has brought forth a lot of possibilities, a lot of things we can homebrew. Um, several product designs are also homebrew. Um, so with and I, I thought I thought I could, uh, when I was looking when I was looking at the specifications behind the, the Nvidia development the machine learning development board that I have. It's like, okay, I, I, I've got to teach people this. I've got to teach people this. Um, with, okay, so take, for example, the greenhouse. The, the greenhouse is a control system. I mean, obviously the plant, yeah, obviously the plants, you know, will thrive in the right in the right circumstances, but you have to know what your circumstances are. Um, through, gosh, if I can remember it right, I re- remember the name of it right now, but, and Hercules, you remember that little Arduino board that I brought to the library events? Yes, I remember. Uh, not, not, not the Raspberry Pi, but the, the smaller one. Yes, I remember. Um, okay, so you can actually program those from the cloud. Uh, you, it's, it's a very simple, like two lines of code in the hookup and you're programming visually from the cloud. Uh, Microsoft, Microsoft is offering, um, well, it's like their channel nine, uh, their whole, um, it's like they have a, ver- they have a version of their, of their programming platform that is for free. Um, the the stuff that the stuff that I picked up with the amateur radio is all and I'm a lightning quick study and but I probably took about ten times longer than I needed to. I can say that I was drilling I was drilling that test for maybe two months. Um maybe two months and my knowledge levels. I mean, I'm the the local. We call them Elmers. What what an Elmer is is somebody that uh, it's usually that's involved with radio or uh, radio and computers 
they're the people that you go and you quiz for the knowledge. Um, you there's there's free resources. And I hate. Okay, so there there was a joke about the time I first started coming out there. One that I took actually seriously because I didn't think it was a joke, but you know where they tell everybody go learn to program, go learn to program. Um, they they actually make that. They actually make that so easy to do nowadays. Um, sensors are digital or analog. Um, that it's easy, easy, easy to work with. So and various things, uh, light sensors, um, hygrometers was the soil moisture, I believe. Okay. And all uh, Nick, and um, let's take. Nick, do you have any questions so far? Well, I, well, I'm going to slip in at some point when he wants to do it. Uh, a timetable okay. of, of, of the project that he's talking about and, and what the timetable is. I'd be very curious about that. Okay. Sorry, Phoenix. Okay. Just wanted to make sure no, that you're okay. uh, we're all on the same page. Okay. You're okay. And, yeah, definitely, Nick, we should. Um, we should because – because some some of the stuff it's like uh, the greenhouse project is a couple of years old, but most of the most of the data and what I've what I've expounded upon now to to see its recent incarnation, mm-hmm. the timetable you're looking at from inception to hey I just need the parts to to put out a prototype <laughs> yeah. six months. Wow! Months. Really, and really? Well, that's exciting. Yes, it is. See, and that 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 is that is that is also accounting for a normal, um, I guess, speed of study. So uh, somewhere in the middle of July, with any luck, in the middle of July or so, that that would be the target date, something like that. Quite possibly, yes. Quite possibly. I've got two projects, two parts of this project that are coming out. Um, one of them, one of them, I'm going to take that little, it's uh, for our listeners, it's called an NVIDIA Jetson Nano. The, on one end of this Jetson, uh, on one end of this machine board, machine learning board, I'm going to be putting in a, um, what's called a Kerberos SDR. Which uh, I believe the range is from about one megahertz all the way up to 1.8 gigahertz. I might be wrong on that, but that's why I gave mm-hmm. the name so that people can look at this part and say, "Whoa." Okay. On the other side of that, um, we uh, the other side of that, I'm going to put a hack RF. And by the way, um, this pro this part of the project took about two weeks to fill in the blanks. Um, the with the hack RF that is, and you can you can buy these both in or outside of a case. Uh, like you're gonna if you're gonna put it together in your in your own unit, you can get just the circuit board. Um, you can get just the circuit board. Now, uh, for for listening post, uh, for like utility level, something you would employ down at your local fire station. And, um, you know, 
position antennas correctly, etc. You know, make sure your eyes are dotted and your T's are crossed, basically. You can monitor traffic like, uh, you know, the, ha- the the bands and stuff that I listen to and everything in between, really. I mean, your key fobs for your cars, that is radio. That's uh, about 140 megahertz, if I remember right. Um, a lot of a lot of your remote controls, your garage door openers are like around 120 megahertz. You just click oh. it, it, it. It literally, when they say chirp it, that's not you're, you're not talking about the you're not talking about the horn on the car. You're talking, you know. Well, actually, I would imagine that is probably where that came from. But when you're listening to this on uh, software-defined radio, you mm-hmm. are. It is literally a chirp. So on one end of this on one end of this unit, one end of this unit that contains a hack RF and I'm I'm going in I'm going overly into detail on purpose and it'll all come together in just a second. Okay. The, okay, so your ha- the hack RF can uh, listen to and rebroadcast anything within the range of about fifty megahertz all the way up to three gigahertz. Which means your Wi Fi, your Bluetooth. Um, oh, okay. Some of the some of the communications bands, um, all of that you can listen to and rebroadcast. Hmm. So here you are. Here you are. Basically, for an investment of about seven hundred is what I'm looking at paying for, or is what I'm looking at paying post tax, or you know, basically when taxes come back, because that time of the year is coming right back up. When taxes come back, um, I'm looking at pay, putting out about 700, and with this, I will have created a machine that not only the not only your average citizen can use for the, for a lot of things up to and including radio astronomy. I was going to say, moment of silence to let that percolate in our listeners' heads for a minute, but. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you can do radio astronomy with these things. And you can also do passive radar, which means um, any, any like a piece of metal floating around in the sky, which um, for people like uh, Costa or, or, or uh, Greer, you know, how cool would that be to, you know, to have like a super listening post just outside of where everybody's, everybody's like sitting down to do a CE5. It rocks. It um, rocks. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I mean, you ever, did you ever want to seriously say the, those tones? You know, it's, you know what I'm talking about, Nick. I those believe tones I do. That they broadcast. Uh, it's like the uh, the ones uh, that that tone that they suppose that they uh, recorded in the crop circle, right? Yeah. It sounds yes, it sounds yes. almost like almost like a broadband signal chirp or something. It does. Yeah. Um, did you ever? I mean, did you ever want to sit down and try to figure out how they mo- or, you know how that was modulated? How, you know what they could be possibly saying? Well, with the hack RF, you can because that's what it's made to do. Well, that's our, exciting uh, stuff, Ben. That is exciting. I don't know anybody who's who's pioneering that. I, I haven't heard of that at all. Nor do I. So you and may be the it, first, it, my friend. It, it's uh, hopefully, hopefully, at least you know, at least sparks some interest. Definitely, oh, yeah. at least sparks some interest because um, 
yeah, like I said, that's 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 a tool a lot of people in, up to and including law enforcement use. I was I was almost shocked to find out, you know, because uh, at the day job, I mean, I, yeah, I see a lot of cops. Um, of course, I you know the day job is working at a gas station and they get free drinks out of us all the time. So. <laughs> and they come in, and we don't we don't have to worry about people stealing stuff while there's uh, no. like five or six police officers in the store. We don't have yeah. to really worry about a darn thing. No, um, you're, you're so, covered. You're covered. Uh, they have your back. Yeah, they yeah. Have your back. Yeah. Um, okay, so yeah, I mean the the creation from okay, so once I understood what a software defined radio is, and um, Okay, so shout outs a couple. Uh first off first off Josh over at Ham Radio Crash Course for getting you know, for filling in the blanks, especially when it comes to when it came to taking that test. Uh second off, there is a YouTube channel called Signals Everywhere that um hold on one second, I'm gonna I'm gonna actually uh doing a radio show while I'm so but I'm also going to help you you got your ID on you okay okay <laughs> no, I was just waiting for you to get over okay sorry about that guys it's okay but at the same at the same time I mean it's a, it's a community effort and that, and Felix is a really good guy so if you guys don't mind, I don't mind. Um, okay, so yeah, uh, creation. Once I understood a software, oh, signals everywhere. Great YouTube channel. Everybody, you know, everybody with an interest in this stuff should definitely check that guy out. Um, he that that channel is actually, and that and the person who runs that channel is where I found out about the Kerberos. Um, mm. And yeah, I mean that's a free that's a freaky freaky. Uh, well, I mean, you can. You, it can be a very scary thing, but it can also be a very useful tool, as we were discussing. Um, yeah, inception. Inception to. Uh, I just need the parts. Two weeks. Two weeks. Um, so, so what exactly? How, how exactly can we use this? Uh, I'm trying to think of how can this be applied. This could be applied by. Um, you can you can sit you can listen to what whatever within that frequency range, which pretty well includes everything that we deal with on a day to day basis. You can listen to all of that stuff, and if necessary, rebroadcast parts of it. Okay. So uh, for civilian for civilian usage, um, everybody with everybody with a walkie talkie, uh, you ha- you now have a booster station. Um. And uh, a rebroadcast point. So imagine those 27-mile walkie-talkies that you get at Walmart that are never 27 miles. The uh, what's uh, I believe it's called a, it's like a type-fitted or um, something like that. Uh, basically, to basically to to the difference between GMRS, General Mobile Radio Service, and ham operator. Um, I could not sell the radio that I carry that I've been carrying for pretty much a year now. I could not sell that as a GMRS radio because um, 
uh, type fitted or something like that. Basically, there's certain things you can't do with the new FCC guidelines. Um, like, like, for example, the antenna cannot be removable, or uh, the radio cannot be unless it's like a unless it's like a vehicle mount cannot be above like five watts or some crazy thing like that. Phoenix, um, why why is that? What, what is that a safety? What what is the reason for that? I, I just be curious. Other than people flexing muscles, I would have to say uh, you don't. Well, then again, I do. I wouldn't mind at all having a smaller radio that I can broadcast uh, all over Utah with. Or uh, uh-huh. especially okay. in New Jersey, where the ground where the ground is uh, flatter, you don't have to worry right. about ricocheting your signal off the mountains. Uh-huh. Um, okay. Yeah, I I can broadcast. Yeah, I mean I can cover. It's really really the only barrier. Okay, so take for example fifty watts, right? Five right. zero, fifty watts. Um, I could broadcast. Pretty much, other than the hill in um, Damarest, so like uh, I figured, I used your I used your house as a uh, as a broadcast point when I was doing the um, when I was doing the propagation map is what it's called. Okay. And also, by the way, guys, um, and our and especially our listeners. Pretty soon we're uh, now. I'm hoping I've already got the name, but uh, I'm hoping I've already got the site. But uh, Project Perceptor is going to have a full-on website coming up either the, over this weekend or next. Awesome. Um, my choice, my choice is whether um, I want to go for the tax ID so I can start talking to radio vendors and selling their and selling their wares. Or whether I want to do the website this weekend, that's the you know that's the choice I'm going to have to make in just a little bit coming out of here. Mm-hmm. Um, so well, you yeah. seem to be doing yeah. very well with the with the time and the money that you have, Phoenix. It seems to me as though you're really doing well, and just 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 to know that we're rooting for you. Yeah, definitely, and it's, it, it is appreciated. <laughs> Oh, by the way, uh, I know this probably is not going to be uh, something you can do, but I would give anything to have you here. Uh, um, also, uh, Hercules, also, uh, on Sunday, February 2nd, because listen to this. I just got to, to, to tell this. We have okay. uh, Mark Sokol, who is doing a short history of anti-gravity research. And wow. Mark, yeah, and Mark... Uh, is a self-taught physicist and engineer with a knack for out-of-the-box thinking, and he's got a—he actually has got now a company uh, that is designing uh, new, new, new techniques for anti-gravity uh, uh, projects, and he's going to have films and stills of what he's been doing. I mean, how wild is that? And I would love you to, at some wild. point, both of you, but. Uh, Phoenix, you and he should talk because there's so much going on and you've got a lot in common. Definitely, definitely. Hey, man. Um, yeah, no. Somehow we can pull a mat- if we can pull a plane ticket out of our hat. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I know. I know. I don't have the resources to jump on a plane right now, 
But here, here, okay. So the two major projects, because uh, I've had to, I've had to restructure for things that I can resell. Um, uh, and then instead of like, okay, yeah, well, I want this just so there's a learning tool. Then um, I've had to. Uh, I'm uh, okay. That, yeah, I was gonna say that doorbell's <laughs> that doorbell's kind of tripping me up. Um, in the background, I could hear something. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know what it was. It's it's the doorbell. We we have a on the front door here. We have a pretty uh, pretty inclusive um, system for yeah. If somebody walks in, unless it's the vampire Lestat, that thing's <laughs> gonna ring. <laughs> uh, it's both it's both infrared and uh, uh, through passive infrared and. I believe it interfaces off the store cameras. So, so if, does that mean that someone's going in and out of your door? Is that what's going on? It's either that or they're probably standing too close to the PIR sensor. Oh, okay. okay, that's what it is. Which is okay. the first stage in the activation. Okay, uh, no, but okay, so I've had to restructure for things that I can sell and things that I can, you know, and as opposed to just, hey, yeah, I want this to edify a little bit of curiosity. Um, one thing I'm looking at doing is, um, and hopefully I've got version at least 1.5 down because I really don't want to, uh, I would really would not want to be riding a bicycle all the way to New York city. I mean, but then again, how much, how much would that, how much notoriety would that get us? Um, (laughs) I wouldn't want you to do that, Phoenix. No, no, no. That's something you you should not do. Never, (laughs) never. Please don't do that. Oh, here, check this out. Check this out, Nick. Um, okay, so with a little bit of power, with a little bit of conscious power management, or careful power man, power management, um, I might, and I, this is this is coming up in testing, but I might, uh, rather, in coming up, it needs to be tested. I've already, I've already, uh, you know, the shopping carts for the. To parts to put this together, the shopping cart is already uh, saved, and yeah, I mean everything is getting everything is getting set up. But I might be looking at having the ability to travel 96 miles or more, or more, on one gallon of gasoline, one measured gallon what? of gasoline. What? What? Wow. Yep. It's, that's going to be the that's called Project that's that's the Light Rider. I I had to come up with a cool name and so that's the one that's the one we're kind of focusing on is the Light Rider. So, yeah, I mean, if Good I name. can do that, if I can do that and have something like a oh, what are the the sit-down bicycles. I can't think of what the name or what the name is. But it's the ones you sit you're actually like laying down and pedaling. Yeah, something oh, like I know that. It. I've seen them. Yeah, they have them in Central Park. I see people doing that. Yeah, they have them here. Yeah. Uh, okay, so if you could put if you could put a really really uh, you know a couple of really I guess powerful front wheels. Front wheels are going to be driven electrically. Um, I'm probably going to be looking at putting some sort of a solar panel and a charge controller on it. Which uh, mm-hmm. there, which there is, uh, there's 
places you can get those. Uh, Newark Element Element 14 is one of my favorite favorite places to shop for electronics parts, which is like pretty much right in your guys' backyard. <laughs> um, I believe it's in, I believe that I believe their main building is in Union City. I believe. I might be I might be incorrect there, but I believe their main building is in Union City, New Jersey. Now, would this involve batteries? Would this involve, you're saying solar, would this involve batteries also? Yes, yes, definitely. It would. Um, you, yeah, you Mark would have Sokol, to. You would have to at that the point. When I, the, when I mentioned Mark Sokol, again, who's going to be uh, doing a major talk to our group uh, the beginning of February, he started a company refurbishing uh, a high-energy batteries and designed and built the equipment himself. And he started the business that yeah. way before he got into this new area of anti-gravity devices and research. Now, when you wow. guys, when you're saying, saying anti-gravity, you but when you're you might saying have anti-gravity, you, I'd I'm be sorry. more interested. I'd be more interested in flying the dude's wing, you know, and learning what I can. Um, Definitely, he that would be that would be like a once in a lifetime to just sit down. And, yeah, if we're talking, especially if we're talking full on magnetogravitics. Well, which, he's going uh, to do he's going to do a 19th century until the present uh, over, overview of the whole subject of anti gravity, starting with Nikola Tesla and going all through. He's got about eight different people that all these. Uh, the, the, these devices uh, for anti-gravity pass through these people, and he's going to give an overview of all that and then show what he's come up with so far in his own lab. And he has a few people who are physicists and, and engineers who have volunteered to help him. I'm just saying that's a really good connection for you, Phoenix, and I'm going to send you his, oh, yeah. his, uh, his contact information. You guys should talk. Definitely. Definitely. Also, we uh, both of y'all. We definitely need to talk about Discord uh, when we're not when we're not on the show. When yeah, when we're not doing a broadcast. Right. Um, I've got I've got I've got that server set up. I've got that server set up now. Part part of it, I was putting I was applying the uh, what's called the not safe for work filter, and that's just so that that's just so everybody in their snooping algorithms can pass me by. But um, there is there is like already a ton of information that um, I put up on there, and just like oh man, yeah, you guys are gonna have to see it. You guys are definitely gonna have to see it. Um, wow, yeah, if you guys, if, if that, oh man, uh, that guy's talking uh, about full on. Go ahead. Go I just ahead. want to make a suggestion, Phoenix, that as you go into this into this research and, and, and amazing area. Don't forget to take photographs and document as you go. That's important. Oh, yeah. Because when you, when you start trying to get grants for more research and, and get deeper into this field, you're going to need uh, a portfolio that will show uh, your, your passage of time and what happened along the way. So documentation, please go ahead. And I'm, I'm sure you're doing it, but... I'm encouraging you to keep doing it and and uh, document oh, yeah. it with video, stills, and also written materials. Oh yeah, oh okay. yeah. And as I'm put as I'm putting all this stuff together, I mean spec sheets and all of that. 
Um, I'm doing I'm doing I'm doing a repo- I'm actually setting this up in a repository format. Um, same software as GitHub uh, for those who are familiar with it. Um, you know, and that's just a this your that's your basic repository. So you don't have to always store code in a repository. And here's another thing: uh, when we're talking about uh, the ability, and, and partially why I le- was leaning into programming and self if you don't have to self-educate to, pro- to learn to program, then cool. But uh, I didn't. Uh, everybody here, everybody here is talking about um, like essential oils. Nobody's. I'm. I'm still. I'm still a dozen light years ahead of everybody as far as computer stuff goes. And half the people I talk to at my station, you have to. You have to sit there and explain what all these parts do, and uh, you know what goes to what and why it goes there. Um. Okay, so yeah, now uh, some of the software that I'm just getting in co- that I'm just getting comfortable with now, um, programs like WSJTX. Uh, the what is all the WSJTX? source code. WSJTX is a um, it's it's termed as high frequency, but it's not really high frequency. I mean, when they say high frequency, they're looking at it from an from an AM broadcast standpoint. Um, your AM your AM radios go from about half a megahertz all the way up to like 1.6 megahertz. That's uh, that's that's your broadcast range. Now you get up into the five megahertz range, you're you're in what's called HF. All the way up to about, uh, I'm going to say about 20 megahertz, 20 to 50 megahertz range is uh, what a lot of people, when they say, oh yeah, HF radio, that's what they're talking about. Um, and at, at, uh, what is it, tropospheric propagation, otherwise known as radio skip, is okay. how uh, at, those, at those frequencies, you send it okay so you send out your message whether you're doing morse code which is called cw um but uh, yeah the the today's term for it cw if you're doing that or if you're talking to somebody um on in that range you're what you're doing the the frequencies you're that you're using you broadcast it bounces off the ionosphere comes back down Hits the ground, bounces off the ground, back up to the ionosphere, back down to the ground. And depending on what your atmospheric conditions are, and this is why every one of um, every every ham that I know um, will have an aurora, like an aurora forecast. Usually, it's usually like an app, like on your cell phone. That way, you can tell where the aurora borealis is. And you can get a feel for what it's going to do to your radio transmission, which um, I, I wish you lived nearer, my friend, because uh, right now um, I'm expanding the range of our broadcast. Uh, the next thing that's going to be happening is uh, we're going to be on HD. And uh, there's okay. uh, several types of uh, radios, uh, HD radios, and it's another antenna type of thing that can pick up the, the broadcast and it also be streamed uh, on the Internet uh, and it can be listened to live uh, as well. Uh, 
Uh, and then there's like four other things that I'm currently looking into, and by the end of the year, we'll have experimented with these four. So what you're sharing sounds intriguing, and alas, uh, our journey for today is uh, almost at an end. So uh, can you share how people can get in contact with you? And uh, I'm sure those who uh, are more scientifically inclined amongst uh, the listeners are excited about what you said. So uh, they can, uh, um, like Nick suggested, that you talk to somebody, they might have somebody you can talk to as well. And uh, through this networking, uh, open up many doors and move your projects forward. Yeah, I'm very, I'm very interested in, yeah, definitely. Um, you guys can get a hold of me uh, right now. I'm going to, I'm going to lean with Facebook until I get the website up and fully operational. Uh, the Facebook is facebook.com forward slash r o r preceptor project. Um, or uh, there's also, and given the fact that I mean I'm, I'm full on networking. I would also say uh, text me on my cell phone, 801-860-5883. Um, and, yeah, of course, there's my mile-long email address, which, yeah, we don't, uh, we, don't, we don't have a show segment, to, a whole show segment to spell that out. So <laughs> okay. um, I'll just kind of paste that as necessary. And people can get in touch with Phoenix for the show as well. And Nick... Uh, what do you call it? the man of many talents and uh, much uh, resources? Uh, can you share if people can get in contact with you because you're you're a treasure trove of uh, uh, connections and networking. You know uh, what you're saying is true, uh, Hercules, and I feel so blessed that I I feel like I'm in the right place at the right time doing the right things that I'm supposed to be doing, and I really mean that, and it's an incredible feeling to have. And I think yeah, it's going to be very exciting thing coming right up. Uh, it's just I'm almost I'm very excited about the next month and this year. I just am. Um, they could get me anytime at my my email address. I'm happy to give that out, which is Nick N I C K N Y N Y the number one. In other words, the figure one at gmail dot com. So that's Nick N Y N Y one at gmail dot com. And uh, also, Thank I want to just so give out my uh, the the other uh, sure. uh, uh, website, uh, dnny.info, which means Disclosure Network New York. But you can just write dnny.info. We've got a lineup that's that's a dream come true in the next few months, and you can learn all about that by going to our website. Uh, thank you, Hercules, for giving me that opportunity. And thank you, Nick, and thank you, Phoenix, and thanks uh, to all who've been listening. We're going to take a brief music break and listen to Cauldron Born by Dave the Bard, and then we'll be back with our Unarian Revelations. Take care, guys. Bye-bye.
Who feel the powers of earth, sea and sky Of dragon and fairy and shades of the night Hear the call of our ancestors of blood and bone Of womb and tomb and standing stone Lady, stir your cauldron well Chant your words and sing your spell Deep within this darkened hall Hear the goddess carried when called The powers of earth, sea and sky Of dragon and fairy and shades of the night He calls to his ancestors of blood and bone Of womb and tomb and standing stone Lady, stir your cauldron well Chant your words and sing your spell Deep within this darkened hall Hear the goddess carried when called Come and taste of the cauldron's brew And magic she will give to you You will dance in the eye of the storm Your carried when's children, the cauldron born This hill, our shadows are cast 
And that's something I greatly appreciate uh, personally. Now, life after death, that is a, a big uh, topic, uh, a very profound topic. And I guess we'll start, uh, if we're going to talk about life after death, with what is, why are we here and alive? Uh, so to kind of put life and death in perspective. And uh, uh, Paula, would you like to start today? Jennifer, I'm sorry. Yes, that's Paula okay. was on last time. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, okay. Right. So we are here to gain wisdom and understanding and then to progress in a progressive evolution so that that becomes wisdom and eventually go on to the higher spiritual worlds and live in very positive, wonderful light and love. And that is incredibly awesome, and uh, it, it makes everything worth it. Um, Kevin? Well, that, you know, Jennifer just stated it right there, is that this whole living of, the, of our lives in the third-dimensional world is a school. And uh, in between lives, before we incarnated in this particular lifetime, uh, we were on those inner planes of light, hopefully, and we were learning. Um, and to the degree that our knowledge would carry us that way, uh, we were either very aware of what was going on or maybe not so aware. Uh, but either way, we were being helped by more advanced personages, teachers, souls, angels, if you want to call them that, who were um, there to help us with the lessons we needed to learn and to gain knowledge from, uh, wisdom from, as Jennifer said, in the incarnation coming up. So uh, it's, it's the this, this cycle of, uh, coming down here into this world, into this third-dimensional world, to learn about life and to prove to ourselves that we have uh, understood the lessons that we needed to to derive from these past life experiences we've we've gone through, and once we've proven that and gained that knowledge and polarized that experience within what we what, what we call our, our higher self or our superconscious self, when we when we gain that knowledge from that experience. Now we're building an energy body that can live on these inner planes of light. So uh, first and foremost, everybody should realize that there's no such thing as death, that that is a completely um, uh, misunderstood concept that, you know, uh, I think I grew up with, you know, this idea that, uh, you know, death, death was the end of everything and, and you know, that if, if I wasn't good on Judgment Day, I'd be cast into hell or whatever. Uh, and Unarius has such a much more positive and constructive understanding of what life is and higher worlds that this proposition of, of leaving this earth world uh, isn't something that should be feared, but something should be celebrated. So we go on to these inner planes, and that's where we really gain uh, the knowledge and the wisdom uh, to come back again and, and, and gain even more information and knowledge by putting into practice what we've learned between lives. And that is much more empowering and uh, comforting than uh, most people's uh, conceptions of uh, uh, life and uh, death. Um, and how do we determine what our lessons are going to be? What is it that we're learning uh, here when we descend into the 3D worlds? Well, it's all what a well, soul or student has set up to to experience, and that many times is 
set up before this incarnation with guides, and there's a plan in terms of um, what can be healed and worked out in this lifetime. And so with this understanding and with the Unarius brothers and sisters of light, they are guiding each person to those areas that need that attention. And it's wonderful to have that guidance. And you know when you get into a certain situation or even into a certain, maybe you start to have a draw or um, a pull to understand a new type of artwork or writing. And that's the guidance that you have from these inner worlds of light. So our time uh, here is supervised. Uh, We have uh, um, entities who are higher (laughs) uh, than us who are guiding us through this journey. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And uh, one thing that – oh, you have to excuse me a second. Um, Yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. I I think my wife is on the line, and I don't know why. Um, But um, one one of the things that – we need to to talk about in in relationship to what we've set up is it's not so much that we need to know what we've set up before we incarnate in this lifetime really if if that was the case many times the conscious mind will put blocks in the way to really right. uh, getting the yeah. lessons that we need and deriving mm-hmm. the lesson that we need and and you know to take that even a step further lessons that we need to learn usually involve deflation of our own ego and uh, so, you know, so if, if we knew beforehand, we're going to do everything we can to try and protect the the, the little self, the ego self, from having the pain mm-hmm. of of having to recognize where we've made mistakes in the past. And uh, so we we don't know in our conscious mind many times, and we should, you know, be celebrating that uh, because that way we're not setting up blocks to our own understanding and awareness that we need. So it's um, it's it's a a whole different picture of why we exist in this world and what we do between lives and actually what we do when we go to sleep at night because uh, reality is even as we go to sleep we're we're going to these inner planes and we may not come back with a conscious knowledge of that or we may but that is where we're getting more information more help uh, to face the different lessons that we need to learn so. Uh, you know, the, the moderator, the co-founder of Unaries talks about it like like this. He says, you know, uh, and this is, of course, years ago he talked about it, that he says out in Detroit they have these tracks where they run the cars for mile after mm-hmm. mile after mile to see what was going on with them and see, you know, if they can put up with the stress and the strain and, and how well they're really doing. Well, in the same sense, then this is what our life is about, is, is this is our track where we're trying to find out have we really learned those lessons. And uh, it's it's a, a wonderful opportunity to recognize that not only is our future incredibly bright and beautiful, but uh, that there's, again, there's no ending to this lesson learned. Because even when we get to the point, as Jennifer was talking about, where we actually live in these inner worlds of light and don't have to incarnate here unless we want to, it's not like that's the end, that we're just going to sit up there and play harp. Now, on these inner planes, there's tremendous schools and universities, and, and just because you've graduated from this earth world doesn't mean that's the end. That's just the beginning where we go even further. 
So right. it's it's just this infinite evolution that's ahead of all of us. It's been said we'll be busier than even know, right? Yep, exactly. <laughs> very, very <Wow>. busy. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I, I know how busy you guys are. Um, yeah, um, so I could imagine how busy you'll be uh, in the worlds uh, beyond because of the process that uh, you've been undergoing and the things that you've been learning. Um, so this is a schoolroom, and we're here to learn, and our lessons are chosen ahead of time, so we're aware of them coming in, uh, and we're supervised, and we have guidance uh, through the form of uh, dreams and meditation and teachings uh, to help us uh, maximize what we're learning here during the process. Am I grasping that correctly so far? Yes. Yes. Uh, well, there's... I was I was also going to mention that they call it the Akashic Records. So um, that's what I was alluding to with initially that that is set up. You know what will you work on, and that's when you're on in your higher, your know, higher um, areas, your higher self in terms of setting up what you want to work out when you come. But when you come into this uh, dimension, when you come into this Earth world. No, you may not be conscious of those particular lessons, and the ego will definitely um, try to uh, rear its head um, and if you're not aware. And it's amazing how strong, um, and I can only speak for myself, have to be aware of that ego part and that part of my being and soul. I'd also like um, to you say, don't seem um, like an egotist, though, uh, Jennifer. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. But in my past, I've grown. Uh, it's something that I've constantly will. I'm working on and will be working on. And that's part. That's part of the self mastery um, aspect of Unaries, which is so wonderful to receive that help. Kevin. Well, I, I just want to, to state, too, because this is something that Unarius has uh, volumes and volumes of contacts with these uh, spiritual beings, these brothers of light, uh, ancestors of light that, that help us uh, intuitively. Uh, and the more we are aware of that, the more we are open to that inspiration. But even more than that, we have uh, a series of volumes called the Voice of Venus, Voice of Eros, Voice of Hermes, Voice of Orion. Uh, where it describes these inner planes of light uh, and and gives not only the descriptions, but you're actually reading about conversations uh, and and lessons from these inner worlds. So it's not it's not just some you know cloud that we all go sit on. No, these different planes of of development uh, are at a different frequency. Some some like some are uh, are related to devotion. Uh, one plane is related to devotion. Then you have planes that, like Muse, that are that are devoted to the arts, uh, and then you have plane like Eros that is devoted to science. So, uh, depending upon what you have developed in each lifetime, uh, you will be you will gravitate towards a particular plane of understanding, uh, where you will uh, then take on further lessons to uh, then incarnate and and activate more of that wisdom. So. You know, when you look around the world, now we can see why there's a Da Vinci or why there would be a Mozart mm-hmm. or an Einstein. Uh, because between lives and life after life, they have continued to grow a particular facet or ability within their 
energy body within their psychic anatomy. And so to them, you know, to incarnate and as Mozart did, did you know, write symphonies at five years old uh, was like breathing because he'd done that so many different lifetimes. Uh, and, and, you know, uh, as in the case of, of uh, Da Vinci, you know, he, he paints the Mona Lisa, arguably the most famous painting in the world. Well, why could he do it and we can't? Well, we can. It's just going to take us lifetimes in, in that process of developing our higher self so that when we do put the paint or pigment on that canvas, it not only is just a – it's not just a physical thing. It carries that frequency and that love from the inner planes of light. So there's this continuity with every one of us to the inner planes if if we understand and are aware and, and begin to study about these inner worlds. You know, because you just don't wake up in the morning and say, Well, now I'm gonna be open to spirit. Well you can, but <laughs> unless you have a, a, mm-hmm. an understanding of what that means, you know, really means, uh, you're you're gonna just inquire encounter the blocks uh that each of us have set up in uh, by our efforts in a negative way in so many different lifetimes. Now, Unarius uh, teaches that uh, by reading about these places, it creates a bridge to the places that allow you to to travel. And I found that that's very true. Uh, some of the places that I experienced in my meditations, I had been familiar with them through dreams, but I knew them by other names, uh, especially on uh, Hermes. You know, that was phenomenally familiar uh, to me when I read it. Uh, and I had many dreams in a place like that uh, before. Um, and are these places that you can visit um, through the inner planes at night when you dream the same as the places where you would go after you pass through this life and into the next one? can be, yes. Yes, definitely. Because those centers are always open i mean it's a it's a relay uh frequency in terms of where your consciousness is at so many times we take that those um we visit you know we can visit mentally um there's temples for healing and cleansing and we can do that throughout the day if we start to feel you know some a heaviness or something come in we you know need to uh, work with um, there are gardens to go through the brothers are always there um, and just waiting for that um, frequency and to give their love and light to that person so but you have to live the earth life too you cannot get so far out that you cannot function there has to be a balance right. yes Kevin and just for your listeners um like to say that you brought up Hermes, uh, and that is the the plane of philosophy, mm-hmm. uh, and and so um, yes, the, these places that we go between lives and as and in our sleep state, uh, we we have to be in rapport with them, and and uh, you know way I, you can look at it is you know if if you don't have that that telephone number you can't dial that place. So right. So when 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 you when we are studying these texts of the Unarius, it's not just the physical words on the page. They were channeled from these more advanced masters who came to the earth, uh, Doctor Norman and, and Uriel, who had that frequency rapport, who had that development in their psychic anatomy, so that the the information on the page carries that higher frequency. And anybody who studies these texts will feel that. Peace of mind that comes over 
their consciousness, comes over my consciousness, and puts me in much more of a direct, well, it does, absolutely puts me in a direct alignment with that higher plane of life, that inner world. So um, it, this, is, this is a wonderful opportunity that anybody can, can have and can take if they will sit down and begin to study these texts where you're actually having and taking part in by studying these conversations with, you know, with, uh, with Da Vinci or Einstein or Jacoby or, you know, uh, Socrates or, you know, it, it just goes on and on and on. All these famous personalities that we can read about in our history books uh, also didn't just die. They're now on these inner planes of, of light after having spent their incarnation on Earth helping to bring humanity forward, and they're teaching there. So this is, this is fantastic because you can, as you're studying, learn about that, that plane, put yourself in rapport with it, and then at night when you go to sleep, you can be a part of that classroom that they're now holding on these inner planes. So right. I have had, uh, as I'm sure Jennifer has, as every student probably has, I've, had, I've come back from dreams after having been with these higher intelligent beings. And uh, I can, you know, honestly say that there's there's many times as where I've been involved with the Inarius where all of a sudden I just looked around and thought, that's the reality. This is the shadow world here in this physical this physical life. That's the real life on those inner planes. So it's it's just a it's a wonderful study and a and a, a great opportunity for anybody who wants to take that opportunity to prepare themselves because what do they say the two you know definites in life, death and taxes. So, you know, we all we all know we're going to go over, so why not take the opportunity that's presented to us to learn about what's going to happen before that event happens? Yes, that's so many students, I was going to mention so many students, and myself included, have had, you have different experiences with reading because, as Kevin mentioned, there is this beautiful vor, golden vortex of, of energy, vortex of energy that is you're tuning into these concepts, these interdimensional concepts, and you feel lifted. You can feel your uh, energy body, your higher self, being you're being lifted into these inner worlds. So sometimes I know I've read and maybe two pages, and then I wake up and I've been asleep, so-called asleep, for half an hour, but I know I was taken out. And mm-hmm. other times you can see little lights. Those are actually spirit. Uh, you know, that spirit guides are there. Um, So it can take a lot of different uh, forms, but that wonderful energy that you get from reading uh, the text or listening to a CD, MP3, does raise one uh, person's student's frequency. And that's how you know, at least for myself and I think other students too. You're just like, wow, this is great, you know, so. Yes, it is uh, great, and uh, um, as, as I've mentioned uh, several times in the past, uh, we're never without this information. If you know where to look for it, this information's uh, there since antiquity, um, and mm-hmm. uh, it's uh, almost like a record repeating itself <laughs> over and over and over, so we're, we're given this information uh, continuously. Um, and, of course, there are some distortions uh, throughout uh, time and throughout uh, um, its movements uh, 
um, on the planet because we're people, but uh, it's remarkably consistent. And uh, one of the remarkable things about uh, the uh, Unarian revelations are there's so many of them, and they're they're so consistent. They're very uh, solid, um, and in their connection with each other. And uh, the more you know about the ancient uh, wisdom, uh, the more you can see that that's in there uh, as well. I don't know if uh, I'm explaining myself, uh, um, but uh, uh, many things that I learned through studying uh, the Greco-Roman Egyptian mysteries of the past, there are shades of them in the Unarius writings that you really have to know the ancient material to be able to see it. Well, the reality, too, is that this this, uh, study of Unarius is the updated teachings uh, of these many different past civilizations. Mm-hmm. So uh, what you what you really see is uh, the teachings of Jesus have been updated for this time and place. The teachings of Socrates have been updated to include this science and understanding of energy and how energy functions and how we are energy beings. So uh, you know the the whereas you know the teachers brought this information in the past and through the ages it has been distorted one way or another and there's yes. still kernels of truth in them. However, now you have this library of where you can actually hear directly from them again. And they, and they come through in the, in the texts and say, uh, you know, this is what my message is. And here's how it's been distorted from the past. Uh, and so you get to hear it directly from them. So it's, mm-hmm. it's a, a wonderful way to um, learn the true truth of, of why we're here as, as we were talking about where we're going in our future if we so desire, and how to get there. Uh, so these, these volumes just give us this wonderful tool of attunement, of alignment, uh, putting ourselves in that progressive and positive energy field, and then knowing once we've done that and learning how to do it, now uh, as we move along in our evolution and, and work out some of these past life shocks and traumas that we've all gone through, then we can go through our day-to-day existence and use that attunement to bring that wisdom into everything that we're involved with. Wow. And it makes mm-hmm. life much more meaningful. Life becomes a spiritual adventure, uh, an expression of divinity. It's, it's uh, a lot of people, um, I, like I, I don't understand how people can feel bored because <laughs> there's, there's so much always going on and uh, mm-hmm. uh, there are so many worthwhile pursuits to devote your time and energy uh, to and uh, um, you know, so many adventures you can have uh, while you're here uh, but Unarius offers the ultimate adventure um, and it's, uh, uh, it spreads throughout uh, the cosmos and uh, throughout the time so I can think of uh, nothing more profound uh, than getting involved in that it is fantastic. Yes. You know, and I, I just, you know, I know you have experienced this as well, Hercules and Jennifer has, and I have. And the thing is, is as as we study these these texts and put into practice these principles, then we begin, and, and you don't even have to say anything to to the person you're working with, but just the the frequency, the vibration, the knowledge that you have gained. Uh, it, it, people feel that they feel that love and that. Um, awareness and that peace of mind uh, that that is that you know is in within your aura now because you've discharged some of these negations and they appreciate it 
And, yeah. uh, you know, I, I have that experience so many times where, and, and you know, it's the, it's the this beautiful frequency of the Nereen brothers. We're talking about the angelic sources and forces that are working with all of us. But when you when you become more open to that, now your vibration, your whole energy body, your frequency, as we term it in Unarius, vibrates at a little bit higher level. Mm-hmm. And uh, and people feel that, and they appreciate yeah. that. And and I love, personally, I love seeing other people touched, not by something I did, but they're touched by that beautiful light because of my efforts to change the bias of my past and to study and put myself in attunement with this these higher planes of life, and uh, it's it's a wonderful way to live. It yes, is. it okay. is, and uh, I, I'm very grateful to uh, all of you at Unarius for sharing, um, not only uh, preserving and sharing the uh, teachings that have come forth, but uh, your own private experiences as well. I found that Unarians, uh, uh, as a group of people, are very open and very honest, and that is an awesome thing. <laughs> And I looked at the clock. We're nearing the end My of our goodness, journey together today. My gosh. Um, so um, I will let Jennifer make a concluding statement, and then if you could share contact information, that would be awesome. A concluding statement. Oh, my goodness. Well, uh, it's wonderful to share this information with you and your audience um, because it just – flows from these brothers and sisters of light who are ever with us and just know that that is onward and going all the time and you can go to the website you can read a book Uh, there's so many ways to tune in you can take part in class which is streaming on Sunday and Wednesday evenings. We have our wonderful anniversary coming up. There's always this movement forward, and you can you see that uh, reflected, too, um, on our Facebook page in terms of what's going on there. So there's many different ways. There's other ways to get involved. Um, and I just really look forward to 2020 and all it has to bring in a most positive way. And thank you so much for this opportunity. Um, you're very welcome, and thank you so very much for being a guest on the show. You're always an awesome guest. And uh, Kevin? Well, uh, to conclude, I guess, the concluding statement, <laughs> it would be that to be aware that there is no such thing as death, that this physical life is the smallest part of who we really are, and that we have this beautiful future that we will be embracing once we leave this, this physical body behind. And uh, the, the angels, uh, the, if we want to call them that, the guides, the brothers of light, are ever with us in consciousness. And it's up to us as students of, of life to learn how to be quiet and sensitive and listen for that internal guidance that will help us through the lessons that we have to learn uh, so that we can move on from this physical world to the inner planes of light, to live there with that energy body that is um, vibrating at the proper frequency so that we can live there. Uh, and then uh, if, if anybody is so interested in, in information, as Jennifer said, you can find out more information about Unarius on our website, unarius.org, O-R-G, uh, or you can find us on Facebook uh, at, at Unarius. Uh, and uh, there we are always updating what's going on at the center, 
how you can get involved. And uh, as Jennifer said as well, we have classes Sunday and Wednesday nights at 7 o'clock West Coast time, and we stream our classes live. So you can take part in past life therapy classes and or, you know, sometimes we we uh, have art classes or uh, any number of different ways that we are sharing how to live a more positive and progressive life and, and people can take part in. And we will conclude as we started with a uh, happy anniversary to uh, Unarius. And can you share uh, how people can become a part of that, although they don't live in El Cajon? Yes. Uh, uh, the anniversary is coming up in February, and I know everybody's going to razz me about not remembering the exact date. It's uh, February <laughs> 15th to... and 16th. There we go. 15th and 16th. <laughs> Thank you, Jennifer, for saving me. You're welcome. And, um <laughs> And and you can you can go online uh, to our uh, website at unarius.org, and there you will find uh, the link that will be put up so that you can take part in the anniversary and and see what's going on for our anniversary, uh, where we're going to be having uh, classes uh, in in uh, uh, past life therapy celebrations and uh, some uh, creative expression, and then finally tap, capping that full weekend off with again a contact. With the space brothers or the inner uh, the beings on the inner planes of light, so we'll have a transmission directly from them. It's going to be a fantastic weekend, and we hope you all can join us. And it's the 66th anniversary. Wow! And it's <laughs> right after Valentine's Day. <laughs> so, yes. Uh, Unarius is indeed a labor of love. Uh, thank you uh, again for being guests on the show. I uh, I always enjoy speaking with you, and I, I miss uh, the times when we can speak. Uh, thanks to all listeners uh, for listening in, and uh, until next time, this is all of us wishing all of you uh, joyous journeys and amazing adventures. Olympian blessings to all who have joined us on our adventure. Now, go forth and create a better world, one filled with light and love. On behalf of the pride of Olympus and her crew, may your journeys be joyous.